You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Welcome back to another episode of the Quarter Life Crisis, the podcast where we talk about all the things that people in the twenties and thirties are trying to figure out. I'm Soraya. I'm Daryl. And I'm Nana. All right, Nana Sagala is Indonesian, so now she's back in Indonesia. But she used to work in PR in Malaysia for about a couple of years, and then now she's gone back. Nana's story involves a lot on the very. Yeah. Would you say it is a taboo topic? Yeah, I think it's I think, a taboo, right? I think it yeah. is still taboo for right. a lot of people to discuss, and I think it is a source of shame. For some, mm. yeah. but I think it needs to be out in the open and talked about, and we need to raise awareness. Sure, Nana, if you don't mind, can you tell us what your story exactly is? I mean, how how did you come about uh, encountering mental health? How did you figure out it was mental health, and you know how you eventually overcame it? If you actually ever overcame it yet? So I didn't used to believe on mental health. Like I was a very heartless person. Mm. Like, heartless. I used to think that people were like a robot we're, we're like robots like if we want to reach something we would get it as long as we work hard for it as a short introduction when i was in the college i was the very ambitious person i was trained to be someone who's very tough not talking about feeling at all mm-hmm. and even my parents they didn't teach me how to express my feeling like when i'm sad we have to cry no like when i'm sad i only went to the room and then just had my feeling I was very ambitious at that time. Like I wanted to get good score, and then I never got rejected. I always got what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I used to be like like the best student in my college, and then the campus ambassador, and even in the career. Like I believe I was the first person in my batch who got a career as a PR consultant at that time, mm-hmm. and then I was the youngest as well who started an international career. So I wow. felt like everything was smooth. So last year, I got rejected three times for my scholarship. And then I couldn't express my sadness. Like, so, yeah, of course, I was disappointed at that time. But I didn't know that I should have expressed my feeling. So I just like, okay, let it go like for that rejection and then keep going. And then I faced another disappointment in my career. But I didn't realize that, okay, like I should take a break or I should be sad. At that time, I just like being a cheerful Nana. So if you guys are familiar with me, uh, <laughs> you will know that I always smile. Like I always smile, I always make a joke. And then I always want to make people happy around me. But then on December, it's about like eight months ago, I got a panic attack. Mm-hmm. So I was in a treadmill. Yeah, I didn't press any button. It's just like out of sudden, mm-hmm. it turned out like this very fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Of course, I was shocked. I was shocked, but then I run, I run every day. So I shouldn't have been shocked. I should have jumped from the treadmill. Mm, that's what one but would I normally do. do yeah, I didn't do that. I was just keep on running. And then until I scream and then I seek for help. And then someone tried to help me. She pressed the off button, but it didn't work as well. It Ooh, didn't yikes. turn off. Yeah, so it was like a nightmare. I tr- uh, I, I tried to calm down, but then I was holding my tears. And then, so I called my best friend and apparently she she was in Mongolia at the time. And then the WhatsApp connection was bad. 
So I was like, again, like, okay, who would like, who would listen to my story? And then I called my, yeah, my ex date at that time. And then, yeah, when he heard me crying, he was just like, why you didn't jump? Like, you should have jumped from the treadmill. And then I was so mad because I, I thought he would understand me, but he didn't. And then I walked to the parking area and then I met uh, like an uncle there. Yeah, and then like the uncle was like, oh, what happened to you? Like, what can I help you? And then at the time I was like only crying, crying and crying. And I was so breathless and um, I just wanted the water at the time. And there was like a water bottle in his car, but he didn't offer me. Maybe he was confused. So I, uh, I told the uncle like, no, I just want the water inside your car. So he gave me the water and then after that, I was like, okay, I was like a bit slowing down and then I went up to my apartment and when I wanted to reach my key, I couldn't find it. But it was, it's normal for me, I couldn't find my key because I'm I'm a bit careless. But at that time, I, I got paralyzed from the bottom to the top. So first, uh, I sat down because I couldn't stand up again and then right. I cried. So you lost feeling fever... completely in your limbs and yes, all. Yes, it was numb. Wow. It was numb. Everything, it was numb. Like, uh, and then my neighbor heard me and asked like, oh, what happened to you? And I was like, you know, because I used to be like a very tough person. So I was like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Because I was crying. Like, it's okay. It's just like my heart is rushing. She knew that I was not okay at that time. So she called the paramedical and ambulance. And then it was like my first experience. And I didn't know that panic attack would be that bad. What did she think was happening to you? I thought I was going to die at that time because my brain could work. Uh, I asked my housemate to to hug me. They didn't hug. So I asked them, like, can you hug me? Like, when I could talk, like, just a bit, like, could you hug me? And then, yeah, it turned out I was getting better. And then when we arrived at the emergency room, even the paramedical, they, they weren't very helpful because they only told me, like, oh, panic attack is something, like, it's normal. So they didn't really take a lot of attention. Like even they said like, oh, you just close your mouth and then take a deep breath. Okay. I spent there like around one hour just to calm down. And then after that, um, I went back home and then I thought everything's normal. Like I didn't want to talk to a lot of people about my problem because I was not sure if everyone could understand Mm -hmm. me. So ever since um, that accident, I got like anxiety attack. Anxiety attack meaning that I couldn't see highway. I couldn't be in the lift and even hide. And uh, also I was very scared to book my flight. So I'm a solo solo traveler. So can you believe a solo traveler couldn't book a flight? Mm. Because you're afraid of getting on, on the plane. Yeah, like even like just to book the flight, it was so scared for me because I already imagined the the height and then it reminds me to my panic attack. So like, what if I was in the condition where I was alone, like in the plane and no one could help me, like the one right. in the gym. Mm-mm-mm. And you're just thinking of so, all the worst possible mm-hmm. things happening. Yeah. Mm. And then I became very sad. So in one month from it's because it happened on January. So in, from January to February, I was like isolating myself. I isolating myself because I'm afraid. Am I just too sensitive? Or am I like getting scared of every single detail? I, like there's so many things that makes me like just want to be away from my friends, from my colleagues, and can and maybe you can also imagine that a PR, of course, like our job is to reach out people, not to hide from people. And that's what I did at that time. Until until uh, my second uh, panic attack happened. I supposed to have a meeting with like oh yeah in the one of the governmentals. And then I was alone at that time. So if 
you've been to Madrid building, mm-hmm. it's a huge building and it's a bit empty mm-hmm. because it's new. So when I entered the building for the first time, I was so scared. I felt like the building wanted to eat me. So I closed the door again and then I reopened and I couldn't hold my tears. I cried. I cried in the receptionist like until like some of them helped me. That was the time when I realized I need to meet a psychologist because mm-hmm. it's not healthy for me. Like it wouldn't make me productive and it's just hold my my career. So I decided to meet a, a psychologist and then maybe like if you haven't been to a psychologist before, in the first meeting, they would ask us so many questions like just to know what happened to us. And mm. it's a very great experience eh, for the first time. Like they would ask um, about our family background and then like relationship or even career. So we just discovered from the first meeting that, yeah, it happened because uh, because I feel small. I feel small because of the rejections, the scholarship, the rejections, and then the career. I feel like, oh, maybe I failed, but it happened because I was, I used to be an achiever. Yeah, I committed to, to meet the psychologist like every two weeks. Yeah, I just finish it like before I left uh, Malaysia so it means so like quite recently ago. yeah I just finished all the sessions it was like very good because now yeah well I could fly last time from KL to Jakarta <laughs> you're able to board a plane again yeah. <laughs> but are you planning to continue your sessions no like not anymore but so I got a form like uh, in the last session there's like a commitment form like when would I go back to the psychologist and then um, yeah, I made a commitment if I feel like three weeks being unproductive or three weeks being like demotivated, yeah, I would go again. For now, I know how to cope with the situation. When all this were going on, right? Did you did you tell anyone, your friends, your family you, or, or anyone when all of this was going on for your therapy sessions and whatnot? I told it to my family. But then my sister said, maybe it, I got asthma at that time when I got right. my panic attack. Okay. Yeah. And how did you react? Yeah. And, oh, I, I couldn't accept because I was very emotionally unstable when I heard that response from my sister. It makes me like so angry. And then I hate my sister at the time. I also shared it to my friends. And then they said like, oh, it's because life is tough, Nana. It's a part of being an adult. You have to cope with it. Like, you have to just relax and you will get over it. Mm, but so then dismissive. the more I heard that response, yeah, the more I hate people around me. So that's the process of why people starting to get like self-isolation because mm. they hate those response. And what are the symptoms of a panic attack that we can look out for so that if we see our friends or family members having one, we know that, okay, this might be a panic attack. You know, I might need to help them. Uh, maybe I need to introduce, like, what's the difference between panic attack and anxiety attack? Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, those terms are different, but we used to mix those terms together. So panic attack is an attack that we couldn't see the trigger. Um, for example, at the time when when I run uh, on the treadmill, I didn't know that that treadmill would make me like be having an accident. And that's what makes me panic. And then another example is that yeah, when I entered the Matri building, I didn't know that uh, I was scared of a huge or empty room that thing and then for the anxiety is that we know we know what trigger us for example yeah like highway being inside the lift we already know Mm. we already know that you are scared of a small or a huge room so that's the different stage 
And for the anxiety, we can we can really avoid because we, it's something that we can control because we already know. Right. right? So the, so basically, so, the difference um, between anxiety and panic is anxiety you can anticipate. But panic, it it just happens, and you don't know and that, why it's happening. And that's why you panic because it's just so out of the blue. Yes, exactly. You know, you said that you were, you know, the most cheerful person, right? You know, everyone knows that Nana makes everyone smile and laugh. Did anyone guess that you were going through this? I mean, did you just put on a happy face every day and go to work, for example? Well, yeah, only a few people noticed. Like yeah, like my my best friend, the one who told me to to see a psychologist. Mm. Yeah, also my my manager at work noticed, but didn't really know what I've been through. And then also a few of my friends when I didn't attend the party because I'm a party goer, so I really like 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 so it's it's a it's very uncommon when they didn't see me there. Yeah. Right. So so basically you they, were they going through this but, very much alone, lah. Right, just besides uh, very yeah. few friends, right. So, how important was having people around you who actually know what you're going through and supporting you? Like, you you were unfortunate in the way where you didn't have them, but if you had them, how different would it be? Um, I also have friends that been through this, but they have their sister or their their parents who who really understand and about mental health, and then they could go through through all this without seeing a therapist. So, there's always possibilities with or without professional help. Mm. Mm. But I guess sometimes, you know, a therapist can be great because they are a neutral third party, non-judgmental. Um and yet I think a lot of people still hesitate mm. to go to to therapy because they're like, oh, they maybe they were like you in the early days and you were like, no, I don't want to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So, what would you say to encourage them that actually, you know, it's not scary and you should you should go to a therapist if you need it. So before I decided meeting a, a therapist, there are like so many opinions. Like my friends told me like, oh, just pay me and then I will be your therapist. Oh, no. And then there's also people saying that, oh, it's only for rich people. You're not that rich. So why would you go there? Like I would just listen to your story. I'm feeling a bit yeah, guilty because so it's something opinions. I might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, it, I mean, because that's very common, right? In our society. Right. Oh yeah, and there's also people saying that we pay people to talk, but not to listen to us. Hmm. So I I did the other way around. So I paid someone to listen to my story and hmm. let me talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So because that's the real situation that I really need at the time. It's not that scary. It's because from the first meeting that I have, my therapist was an intern. Oh. Yeah. Okay. She's an intern in that clinic. Well, because at that time I was still like, oh, why should I pay like 300 ringgit, 400 ringgit for for a session? So, the clinic was like very helpful. Like she tried to encourage me like, okay, if you don't believe to a professional, you can meet our intern. <laughs> okay. So, I was I was at the time like, okay, I would meet the intern and then let's see what happens. So, one thing that I should share to you guys is that an intern would listen to our story and share all the recordings all the like the result of our answer because they because my therapist gave me like i would say like 50 to 100 questions about my background and my condition and then those forms would be given by uh, to the to the uh, supervisor right so it's very transparent so don't worry if your case is like a very heavy they wouldn't give it to an intern they would give it to, a, to to someone who's already have a lot of experience but for me they say like my case is still mild 
because I'm not committing to any suicide. Like I'm not hurting myself. Everything just happened in my mind. And like therapy with coping with with mindset and then with behavior, it still can be done by by an intern at that time. Right. Mm. Okay. And, and six months is it, is it fast? <laughs> well, I would say for me it's fast. Yeah, six right. months. Because for other people it could uh, be like years. Because okay. because they they didn't go earlier to a mm. to a psychologist. Mm-hmm. For me, I like immediately I went there like seeking help. How are you feeling now? Right now, in in at this point in time, you're home in Indonesia. Are you going to continue seeing a psychologist? Or are you do you think that you can now manage your stress and anxiety and panic much better? Okay, to be honest, like I took a decision of going back home before lockdown. When I was like still very down at that time, so what happened in my mind is that I just want to go back home. I just want to take a break. But then I was like, yeah, like one month ago, I was already healed, like totally healed. And then my logical could work very well. I was, I'm like, I'm already staying now. And then like, <laughs> oh my god, did I just take a decision going back home? What would I do next? Like, <laughs> mm, right. okay, and yeah, now I could think clearly. So now I know the difference between I was very emotionally unstable, and then between now I'm very, I'm like, I'm already stable. Well, now I'm still like, you no, know, like a bit like worry, mm. still like worry, like okay, what if I wouldn't get a job in this pandemic and. It's still very uncertain condition right now, but then um, I could cope with it. Like I can tell myself that okay, take a breath first, like take a deep breath, and then um, just uh, write it down. Everything. If, if I feel worried, I just write down everything now. So that's how I cope with that situation. Right. And then yeah, I can think clearly. So um, I'm very thankful of my six months therapy. Now I can really think what to do. That's really good to know. That's good, especially in these Thank uncertain you. times. I would think that you would be even more anxious. But it's really good to know that you have kind of you know regained some sense of calm and control. Right. So just to wrap it up, what is your advice mm. to people who think they may or may not have mental health problems? What What would you advise? What would you say to them? Because I'm assuming there's a lot of people who, like you. We're in denial as well, you know. Yeah, there are some people who still on denial, but there's also people who assume, mm. like making like self-diagnosis. That's also dangerous, I would say. What? Oh, because, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, because like the more I shared my story to other people, the more they Google, and then they was there like, oh my god, am I having like bipolar or uh, yeah another mental illness? Okay, but all I can say is that when you feel that you're not productive or you're demotivated or even you're not being the real you mm. yeah that's the point that stop making your own assumption but taking the professional help mm. or tell to your support system that who really understand mental health like don't cherish just to your friends like random friends or random family because that would make the condition even worse mm, all right like okay. because there's always disappointment right like we trust our friends we trust our family but whenever they respond us in a wrong way we would 
literally hate right. them. Right, so exactly. Yeah. yeah, and we get so disappointed. It's like, I can't even trust you. I'm supposed to be able to trust you, but I can't. And that's just, it does exacerbate mm. things. It just makes them so much worse. So yeah. I guess the lesson learned is don't self-diagnose. Don't, don't Google. Don't go and Google WebMD. <laughs> do I have a condition? Yeah, yeah don't do that. Yeah, so don't Google. <laughs> Try to avoid speaking to people. Unless they're quite Mm. Understanding, right? When it, and you know, if they're if they're saying negative things like, "Oh, come, let me be a, your therapist. You don't have to go and see one." Then, yeah, cut them out. Right. So, so, and and yeah. I think, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think another last thing is the few hundred bucks per session that you're going to pay may help you in the in the long run, right? Yeah, <laughs> can be so yeah, worth it. In so, the end. if if you're worrying about the funding, yeah, it's like no money and so on. Just contact. A student center like there's a lot of universities last year student or they are looking for internship they're very open for free consultation that's great advice yeah. uh, you have anything else to say Nana? if you're having the same problem as what I had I just want to say that you're not alone mm. and even though you feel like people around you don't understand you just look for the, the right support system Right. And also, if someone asks you for a hug, better hug them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Under the right circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nana, for sharing your story with us, for, you know, bravely speaking about it. And I guess helping to destigmatize mental health issues. We keep hearing mental health is just as important as physical health. So we should yeah, talk about yeah. it just the same way as we would talk about any other physical health condition. So, and if you guys notice, we've got very funky, very interesting intro and outro music to our podcast so if you want to know who they are you can always look them up on Instagram at Nidosmas Music so you might be wondering what is Nidosmas Music it's basically some student backwards music N-I-D-U-S-M-E-S-M-U-S-I-C and that's another episode of The Koi Life Crisis I'm Daryl I'm Soraya I'm Nana <laughs> <laughs> till next time bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.